Okay, if you have your Bibles, open it to Proverbs again. Um, some of you might be wondering, why have we read Proverbs and now we're doing Proverbs? Uh, it so happened that the book we're also reading through is Proverbs, but normally we read another book of the Bible um, that's not necessarily the sermon text as well, that we just saturate ourselves in the Word of God. So open it to Proverbs. Today we're beginning a new series on this book, Proverbs, and uh, today will just be an introduction. And we'll read, let's read uh, from verse 1, Proverbs 1 from verse 1, up until verse 7. So Proverbs 1 from verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please pray with me. Father, we ask for your mercy and your help. Lord, we know that apart from the sovereign gracious work of your holy spirit lord Uh, we cannot change our hearts we cannot grow as christians for apart from you we can do nothing lord as we study this text please humble us excite our hearts for this book as we study it lord and i pray that you would teach us your wisdom that we would become a church and a christian community that is marked by grace and wisdom and your love we pray in jesus name amen No one is born wise. You don't have to be a Christian to know that. You don't have to be an expert or educated to know that nobody is born with wisdom. Just look at children. Wow, here are those spinning blades. Let me put my finger in it and see what happens. Or I think it's a good idea to live on sweets for the rest of my life. Okay? Because it just tastes so much better than vegetables. Now, Proverbs itself puts it like this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. That's 22 verse 15. So no one is born wise, including you. Amen? <laughs> All right. Does that like a painful amen? Like, yes, okay, I'm not inherently wise, but... But now the question is this, what is wisdom? What is truly wise living? Is there even such a thing? Who possesses wisdom and where should we go to learn it? You and I are living in a world of experts. If an expert says something, it must be true. We also live in a world of political correctness where we may not even use certain words which may offend somebody else. We also live in a world where there is no such thing as truth, right? People say there is no objective truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And in comes Proverbs, and we should say thank God for a book like Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, you will know, is part of what we call the wisdom literature of the Bible. The other books, the other wisdom books include Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Now together, these wisdom books give us the perfect, balanced worldview 
on everything. Things like pain and suffering and God's role in it, relationships, marriage, communication, money, work, friendships, and the list just keeps on going. But we will uh, focus our attention on only one of those books, namely the book of Proverbs. So like I said, this will simply be an introduction, and we'll look at verses 1 to 6, and then, Lord willing, next week, look at verse 7 in its isolation, because the fear of the Lord, when it says it's the beginning, I think we should take a whole sermon and think about what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does that concept mean? So today, we're only going to look at verses 1 to 6, and Lord willing, next week on the fear of the Lord. So we will study uh, the first six verses under four headings, the content of Proverbs, the author of Proverbs, the audience of Proverbs, and the purposes of Proverbs. So first, let's consider the content, the content of Proverbs in verse one, right? It says, the Proverbs, <laughs> okay? Wow, that is an amazing revelation right there. What is a proverb? What makes a proverb different from other forms of knowledge? Now, the Hebrew word where we get our word proverb from literally means to be like. So it comes from this idea to take two things, two objects, and put them next to each other, and then to compare the two, and then to see the similarities as well as the differences, and then to learn wisdom from that. It can also simply take the form of a short saying or a story, like a parable as well, that communicates condensed truth. Now, you all know what a proverb is once you hear it, okay? We have modern proverbs, for example, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. There's a lot of truth in that, right? That's a modern proverb, one of my favorite modern proverbs that has helped me personally a lot. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing it badly. Now, that just means Sometimes we're so scared to, to try something because we are scared to fail. So the proverb, that proverb says, it's better to risk failing than not trying at all. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing it badly. Now, biblical examples, obviously, the whole book of Proverbs. But I love another example from one of the kings. One of the kings threatened another king that he will just destroy him. And listen to what the king replied to the other king in 1 Kings 20 verse 11. He says, Tell him, let not him who straps his armor on boast himself as he who takes it off. It's a very simple truth. We simply call this the foolishness of premature celebration. So he says, don't celebrate as if you can take your armor off. You haven't even won the battle yet. My son, sometimes me and him plays a game and he gets excited for, for beating me. And then only to find at the end that I beat him because he was so busy celebrating a victory that he never had, he wasted his time. Or we all know that pain of the rugby player who's already celebrating the try over the line only to be tackled full speed from behind to lose the ball and never score the try in the first place. So that proverb, right, is just to say, be humble. Don't celebrate before you've won, okay? This is what proverbs is. They focus on general truths observed in reality. That's what Proverbs is. This is how the world tends to be. If you do X, Y will happen to you. Now, this is where many people miss the idea of Proverbs. Many people take Proverbs and treat it as promises instead of principles. They think that this is how things always work without exceptions. 
And so they claim the Proverbs for themselves, and then when it doesn't work out in their lives, they give up or they think God has lied to them. For example, Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Is the rain okay? If the rain is bothering you, maybe you can close some of the windows. I don't know. You can decide. Okay, let me repeat that proverb. Just listen to this again. Proverbs 10 verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Yet, sometimes lazy people get rich, and sometimes people who work hard are poor. So it's not something you should say, it's always true. It's generally true. Or take Proverbs 22 verse 6, another one. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay? Can everybody hear me, just for interest sake? Okay. All right. Okay, I'm just going to trust. So train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And then generally speaking, if you have five kids, most of those kids, if you train them up well, will be loving the Lord, following the Lord. But there are exceptions because we are living in a broken world. That's why we don't just have Proverbs. We also have books like Job. So think about Job. Proverbs says, if you are righteous, it will go well with you. And if you are wicked, your life will be a mess. But now comes, sorry, that's a little bit loud. Now comes Job. And what does Job teach us? Sometimes bad things happen to the righteous. Sometimes you are righteous and it doesn't go according to plan, okay? And that's what their friends had wrong. The friends of Job were trying to say, it's because you have sin in your life that you are suffering like this. You see, that's why we don't just have Proverbs. We also have Job and Ecclesiastes to give us the perfect balance on the world. Now, that's the content of Proverbs. It will teach you how to live wisely in God's moral universe. Okay? Now, secondly... Let's consider the author of Proverbs. Look at verse 1 again. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Most of the book comes from Solomon. Now, there are other sections in Proverbs that are written by somebody else, like the words of um, Lemuel's mother in Proverbs 31. But nonetheless, it's fitting to take Solomon as the wisest man who lived apart from Jesus and say he is the author. Solomon's life is an incredibly instructive as well as humble lesson for us. Remember, how did Solomon get his wisdom in the first place? What was the source of Solomon's wisdom? Remember, God appeared to him in a dream and he asked God for wisdom. So God is the ultimate source of wisdom, all true wisdom. Listen to 1 Kings 4 verse 29. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt for he was wiser than all other men. So do you hear that? God is the great source of all true wisdom. Even if you are an unbeliever, if someone doesn't believe in God and they still have incredible wisdom, that is a gift from God's common grace. God gives unbelievers ability to think as well, right? That's why Jeremiah tells us, let the wise man not boast in what? In his wisdom. But let him boast in this, that they know and understand me, says the Lord. But we also know that Solomon, if you know his life, 
didn't follow his own wisdom that he gave in this book. He gave us wisdom and then he didn't follow his wisdom because he married over uh, 700 wives, 300 concubines, and we know what happened. Listen to 1 Kings 11 verse 3. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So this is the sad account that this was a very wise man, yet he was a hypocrite. He didn't even follow what he, what he taught. Some people, I've even heard some people say, how can I read a book by a man that was a hypocrite? Right? I don't want to l- read Proverbs if he himself didn't even follow his own advice. Well, simply because of this, your future failure doesn't cancel past insights. Okay? And also, your character doesn't determine whether what you say is true or false. Okay? If I say to you, two plus two is four, but I'm a very wicked man, bad man, that doesn't suddenly make two plus two is five. Right? It's still true, even if I'm not consistent in my life. And by the way, Solomon proved that his wisdom is true by showing how bad it went when he didn't follow it. So he's just telling us, listen, look at my example. When I ignored my own wisdom, things were breaking down. So, in fact, his failure proved his wisdom. So from the very beginning of this book, we are confronted with a dilemma if even the wisest man alive couldn't follow his wisdom perfectly, what hope do you and I have? The book of Proverbs will point us to the only man who never sinned, never failed, the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not just possess wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. He is the embodiment of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Because of God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. To sin against God, to rebel against God, is the ultimate foolishness. So Jesus came to save us from us, from our own foolishness, our own sin that destroys our lives in Jesus' great wisdom, he never made the wrong choice. Can you, can you even imagine that? Like living a life where you've never made a mistake. That's Jesus. And in his great love, he went to die for your foolishness, your mistakes, your sins, your rebellion against God. I love how one brother at growth group said this. He says when he reads Proverbs and he reads, the fool does this. It's like, wait, that's me. <laughs> you will feel that a lot. While we're going through Proverbs, you're going to be like, ouch, like the, that's actually what I'm doing as a fool. I need a savior. I need somebody to save me from me, from my own stupidity. And take heart. Your, our hope is not that you and I will, will, will be wise and we won't make mistakes. That's not our hope. Our hope is in a great God a great savior who delights to save foolish people like you and me. Jesus is our savior and he can change our hearts to become like God wise. So don't put your hope in yourself. Don't, don't come away from Proverbs and say, okay, now I'm going to just be wise. No, you can't. You can't do that. You need a savior. That's how the author of the book helps us. We should know that wisdom comes from God and we should seek wisdom on our knees 
as we pray, and we should trust that we need, we need a Savior. Third, let's look at the audience of Proverbs. For who was Proverbs written to? So first, look at verse 1 again when it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so he calls his, he remembers his father. And look at verse 8 with me. Look at who, who Solomon is speaking. He says, hear my son, your father's instruction. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. My son, look at verse chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Do you see? Look at chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. It says, hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, and do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Do you see? So this book is mainly a manual from a fa- for a father for his child. A parent to teach his son, his daughter, how to live wisely in this universe. And as you've seen, Solomon said, I've listened to what my father told me. And now I'm going to teach you what my father told me. It's a multi-generational wisdom. In other words... Proverbs is especially for young people. I would say for people like you, right? Most of you here are in your are in a university. You have a, a million choices you need to make and think about. Proverbs is for you to make wise decisions, not to be a fool, not to destroy your life with your own foolishness. Right? So look at verse 4 with me again. So just turn back to chapter 1, verse 4. There's this person here in the verse called the simple. It says, to give prudence to the simple. The simple in Proverbs is not someone who's unintelligent. It's someone that's very impressionable, very easily persuaded to either right or wrong. They are undecided. Listen to Proverbs 14, 15. It says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So to be simple in Proverbs is not a good thing. God wants you to grow up, to mature, to be able to stand for truth and not to be easily persuaded by many opinions, to know what is right and wrong, to know what is the wise and the foolish decision to make. And therefore, all the parents, and for those of you who want to be married one day and have children of your own, please listen up. So don't think, I'm not a parent, I don't need to listen now. Listen, Proverbs is the parents' curriculum for their children. It is their parents' manual for their children. How many times have you heard this saying? There is no manual on parenting. Well, we should say there's a whole book in the Bible about parenting. The whole book of Proverbs was written to help a father and a mother to instruct their children. It prepares these children, right? So in this lies a double rebuke, especially for parents. First, we are rebuked and convicted that we don't know the book of Proverbs and live it out in our lives. How can you teach something to your child if you yourself don't know what it's about? So the first thing we should be convicted about is we are ignorant of the wisdom of God in this book. But secondly, we are convicted for not teaching our children these principles. May not one parent in this church let they allow their children to grow up without Proverbs. What a sad thing that would be 
If your children leave the home and they've never even, they don't even know what Proverbs is about, they now have to try and figure out for themselves how to make wise and right decisions. And I know many of many here in our church, you are you are either pregnant, okay, or you have just gotten your baby, or your child is four to five years old. So I already feel like our children are almost getting married. I know that's crazy, but they, our time with our kids are so incredibly short. You don't know how little time you have with them. So we need to get busy, busy studying this book, busy embodying this book, and then be able to teach this to our children. So listen, it's not too late to begin, right? It's not too late to start to trust in God's transforming grace to make us the people that he wants us to be. So a, a very good advice I can give you is since there are 31 chapters in Proverbs, if you read a chapter a day, generally speaking, you'll read through the Proverbs every month. Okay, of course, I'm not thinking of February. Of course, I'm not saying that. Okay, all the math people are twitching like, there's only 28 days. <laughs> okay. But in general, if you just take a chapter a day, you'll get through the book of Proverbs almost every month. Let that be fresh in your mind to be able to, that it be fresh on your lips for your kids. But for those, many of you here, sitting here, listening to me, have left the home without hearing Proverbs. Without your father, without your mother telling you, here, listen to my words, son. Listen to my words, O daughter. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want to give you this hope. Right here in the book of Proverbs, God, your father, is shepherding your heart to be wise. Yes, you might have never heard your father, your mother teach you wisdom. But God, your father, is your shepherd. God, your father, can, through Proverbs, be the father you never had. Instruct you, teach you, warn you, help you. Remember, God is the father of the fatherless and the, the defender of the widow and the orphan. For many of you, you, have, you had a broken family, a broken relationship with your father and your mother. But this book can act like the father you never had through the Holy Spirit. So open it. When you read these words, take it personally. When you read, my son, my daughter, don't think that was for somebody else. Take it personally. This is for you. Remember, when we read these words, these are not just the words of men. These are the words inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are the very words of God to you. So take it personally. There's a sense where that famous verse, Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young person, how can a young man keep his way pure? Answer, according to the book of Proverbs, according to your word. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't intend you to have real relationships with other human beings, right? I, that's what I love about the church, the body of Christ, right? You might not have a father, you might not have a mother, you might not have brothers, sisters, but in the church you have a thousand fathers, a thousand mothers. That's really the vision God has for his church. In Titus 2, we see older women teach younger women. You see older men teaching younger men. You see um, people of the same age calling one another brother and sister, right? When we don't have what we, what we desperately needed as a child, God gives it to you in his body, in the church. That's why it's so sad when I see Christians that don't want to be part of the church, right? The, the, the church is called the body of Christ. So imagine a finger saying, I can walk on my own. And you just see this little worm trying to crawl. And many Christians are like that. They're just like moving ahead super slow because they want to do everything on their own. 
No, God has intended the church to be together, to use the gifts we have to serve one another, to build one another up. In other words, God is a God who is in the business of restoring broken lives. He is the kind of God that delights to rescue, forgive, and change people's hearts to be wise. And that's what God can do for you even today. If you would turn from your sins and put your trust in Jesus. Now let me say a last word on the audience. And this is incredibly important. Look at verse 5 with me quickly. Verse 5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So in verse 4 you had the simple and the young, and in verse 5 you have the wise. And listen what he says to the wise. Wise people, you should increase your wisdom. You should learn here and increase through this book. So the message is clear. We never stop learning. You never stop growing in wisdom. The biggest obstacle for people to obtain wisdom is the idea that they already have it. Why should I grow in wisdom if I'm already wise? And the proverb says, if you are like that, there is no hope for you. Listen to Proverbs 26 verse 12. He says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I love that. Even if you're a fool, that's okay. Just be teachable. Just be humble. But if you are wise in your own eyes, it's over. You are worse than a fool. If pick and pay were to just sell everything without restocking their shelves, soon they would be empty. That's how our minds are. If you just rely on past Bible verses, past grace, soon you'll run empty. You need fresh truth, fresh wisdom. You need to restock your brain every day with the Bible that you can know how to fear God every day. I love how one commentator said it. It says, wisdom is not so much a goal to be obtained as a posture of humility, a willingness to receive instruction. A wise person is a learning person. A person in process, not a finished product. That's true wisdom, right? We never stop learning. Proverbs will push against the know-it-all, right? We know people like that. It doesn't matter what you say. They always have the final word, right? They always have their opinion is the final word on any subject. It doesn't matter what it is. But Proverbs says, let the wise hear and increase. Now, this, of course, doesn't mean you shouldn't have strong convictions. To be open to learn doesn't mean you should be gullible and say that there are no truth. No. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're not saying everybody is right. Everybody has wise words to say. No. There's another proverb that says, if you are in the presence of a fool, leave, because you're not going to learn anything there. Or G.K. Chesterton said, if you believe in everything, it's the same as believing in nothing. If you believe in everything, it's the same as believing in nothing. That's not what we're saying about being open to learn, right? Uh, I think many of our universities are very false, falsely humble. They say, no, I'm just open for different perspectives. I'm just open. But they, they, they don't stand for anything. They don't have a, a, a backbone. So who is the audience of this book? Well, it's for every single one of you. Every single one of you are either going to be a simple person, right, still open to many ideas and or longer, longer uh, ahead of the journey in wisdom, but it doesn't matter who you are, you need 
this book. Fourthly, um, let's see the purposes of Proverbs. And here we will move a bit quicker to from verse 2 to 6. So here from verse 2 to 6, we see the purposes of Proverbs. Look at all the words to. So verse 2 says, to know wisdom. Verse 3, to receive instruction. Verse 4, to give. So every time you see that word to, to, that means this is why Proverbs was written. It is to give these things to you. Now, there are many words here, and we'll just look at them quickly. The first word we see in verse 2 is to know wisdom. Okay. Wisdom in the Hebrew is hochma. I was tempted to say, say hochma to three people, but don't do it. Please don't do that. Right? That's why Afrikaans helps with that. Okay, so the hochma, right? Now, wisdom here refers to hochma is practical skill, practical skill. So when the person who could build the tabernacle... It said he had wisdom, hochma, to be able to build a tabernacle. He had a skill. Or the, the, the sailors at the sea who know how to manage the sails and know the seas, they had wisdom. They had hochma. Every husband has hochma. That secret wisdom of being able to eat anything without your family members knowing it. And that's a skill. That's incredibly difficult to get right. But as you grow, <laughs> okay, it becomes easier. My, like our pantry is like a little closet. I love that. You just close it and you finish that chips. Okay. So ochma, wisdom, literally just means a skill. But when it is used in the context of Proverbs, it means moral skill. In other words, Skill to be to live right, not to make dumb decisions in your life. Skill, skillfully in God's moral universe. That's Hochma. Tim Keller wrote this. He says, Wisdom is making the right choice even when there are no clear moral laws telling you what's right and wrong. Did you hear that? Wisdom is to know the right choice even when there's no verse in the Bible that says what is right and wrong. You see, the law tells you black and white. This is sin, this is wrong. Wisdom says, don't make that dumb decision. For example, the law says, don't marry a non-Christian. That's what the law says, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 39. Wisdom says, don't marry a lazy Christian. Don't marry someone who's given to anger, even if they claim to be Christian. But, it's, but, but at least they're under the law, they, they, they are Christians. Like, no, you're, you're going to be foolish in that decision. Do you see? I think sometimes there's an immaturity in Christians always wanting to know black, what is the, what is, is this sin? Is this sin? Just tell me. Sometimes that's the wrong question. You see, it's not sinful to play video games, but is that the best use of your time to play video games while you have an exam tomorrow? Right? Answer obvious. Okay? Procrastinators unite tomorrow. All right? All of you know that. Okay? So what we need is we need hochmah, we need wisdom to be able to make those, like those in-the-moment decisions of knowing, I could do this, but this is just not smart. Okay, that's wisdom. Second word is to know wisdom and instruction. Instruction. That word can also be translated as discipline. It's the same word used in chapter 3 verse 11 when it says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. For as the father disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines the one he loves. That's the word instruction there. So what do you get? This is, discipline here means it's going to be painful. Proverbs is going to step on your toes. Okay? And if you are uncomfortable with that, you are never going to learn true wisdom. 
You need to hear the truth. But isn't that what we want? The truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So ultimately, God doesn't just want you to merely know truth. He wants you to live according to these truths. Listen to Proverbs 26 verse 7. It says, like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. So there are people here that can learn the Proverbs and they're going to be able to speak the Proverbs. But, but Proverbs says you're still a fool if you don't do it. Like a lame man's legs that hang useless, if you don't do what the proverb says, you're wasting your time. So that's, that's, that's an instruction. Next word, look at verse 2. Okay, understanding. So to understand words of insight. Understanding is the same as discernment. Okay, hochma is the skill and discernment is to be able to see the reality. Okay, that's, that's discernment. Now desperately you and I need discernment. You need discernment about what is a, a good church versus a bad church. You need discernment, discernment to know what is the difference between um, healthy doctrine, healthy teaching, and unhealthy doctrine and teaching. You need discernment how to best use your time as, as a student, as a parent, or whatever in whatever phase of life you are. You need wisdom and discernment to know, is it really best to work seven days a week without taking one day off to recharge my batteries. You can try it, but that's not going to be good discernment. Okay? So that's the word understanding, to be able to discern. Look at verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, Proverbs shows us, someone who is truly wise will be a person with good character. People who are just, righteous, and does the right thing. Okay? Someone said this, the wisest course of action in any circumstance is bringing your life into conformity with the character and actions of God. That's true wisdom. In other words, Proverbs will give you a biblical worldview. It will help you not think like the world, but to think what is better. It helps you see that character trumps performance. It's better to be a person of good character than to have a lot of money. Proverbs will help you be convinced of this following statement. And I wonder how many of you would have said yes to this statement. It is better to tell the truth and lose your job than to lie and keep it. Challenging statement, but this is what the fear of the Lord will give you. That's next week, okay? But beloved, let me say a word here to the parents. I want to say something to the parents here. This should change the way you think about educating your kids about education and what should be our priorities in education. If I were to ask you, what is your ultimate goal with your education of your child? Why do you even want them to be educated? If your answer is in, in the line of, well, my ultimate goal for why I want them to be educated is because that they can have a comfortable life, find a job, and be able to make enough money to live. If that's your answer... Your goals are misplaced. Your thinking is sub-biblical. Our ultimate goal for our children's education should be that they should learn how to live to the glory of God. To learn how to be a, a person, a man or a woman of good character. Ask any parent, if your child is 18 years old, what is your dream for your child? If your child reaches 18, what do you really wish your child will be like or what they would have achieved. 
If we are honest, the first thing in our mind is not, I just hope they will learn calculus, that they will be able to know how to do calculus. That's my biggest dream for my child. No, what do we say? I want my child to be hardworking, faithful, reliable, someone who is full of integrity, who knows what to do, when, what is right to do and what is wrong to do. I want my child to love God above everything else and to love others as they love themselves. Now, here's something to think about. All education is religious in some sense. All schools, all educational systems have taboos and virtues. All schools have ethics and values and a culture that even goes unspoken, but that they were teaching your child. Now, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the explicit thing that they are teaching, like math or whatever. I'm talking about their character, their example. Remember, the Bible says children are fundamentally imitators. We should imitate God as beloved children. Children are imitators, both their teachers and their friends. That's what children do. And the responsibility rests on every parent to make sure that that environment that you put your child in is going to, that most formative years of their little souls must be in line with the biblical worldview, with fearing God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you should take your kids out of school or that homeschooling is the only option. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm appealing to you for is to feel the burden of this. As a parent, it's your responsibility to ensure that the children are not in a school or an environment which ignores Christ thinks it's okay to never talk about the Bible, treat his word as optional, or preaches a goal to them different than what the Bible gives them. John Piper gave this counsel to people living in America, and I think it's very close to South Africa as well. He says, as America becomes more pervasively secular, by the way, secularism is a religion. We can, you cannot speak about God. You cannot speak about religion. That's private. That's a religion. That's a taboo. Don't do that. Right? But that... So that, uh, uh, sorry, let me read it again. As America becomes more pervasively secular with commitments that are not neutral, but anti-Christian, both in worldview and in numerous moral issues and numerous faith issues, partnering with public school teachers to accomplish biblical goals for our children becomes year by year less feasible and indeed in many cases unthinkable. Piper had this phrase, and I think it captures it well. He says, we should always have this mentality of apart from the world, for the world. So I'm not saying become an Amish, become Amish. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let our kids have a biblical worldview while the cement is wet. Right? Verse 4 says, the simple. The simple are those who are open to anything. Tell a child Santa Claus is real, and they believe you. That's the very definition of being simple. So incredible care needs to be taken for parents who put their kids in a system where the cement is wet, where they are impressionable by everything, if that shaping is not a biblical worldview. So while the cement is wet, don't let it harden into a worldview that you disagree with. Right? That's the point. Because it will be much harder to undo that once they are older. May God give us hochmah for that. Wisdom, skill to be able to discern. Right, let's lastly consider verse 6. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So here the idea is a riddle 
is not something that's obviously true the first time you hear it. You have to listen to a riddle, and what do you have to do with it? You have to think about it. You have to wrestle. Think of Samson's riddle, right? He gave a riddle, and it took them days, and they couldn't even figure it out. But you see, that's the idea of Proverbs. Proverbs is going to take two statements. They're going to put it next to each other. And the idea is that you should take it as a riddle and think about it. How do these two things relate? In other words, Proverbs is not going to be for the lazy. If you don't like thinking deeply about things, Proverbs is not going to benefit you. Proverbs is meant to help you reflect, meditate upon, think about these things so that you can uncover its treasures under the deep crust of truth, okay? So brothers and sisters, do you want wisdom? Do you want to live skillfully in God's moral universe? Do you want to live a productive, faithful, God-glorifying life? Then Proverbs is the book for you. It begins with the fear of the Lord and coming to God's wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where it all begins. And then we allow his grace to work in us, to transform us, to become more like Christ, more wise in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us uh, an entire book on living wisely in your universe, your world. Father, we confess the foolishness of our sin, the foolishness of thinking that we can live our own life the way we please, without consequence, without um, even suffering in many senses. But Lord, thank you that you are a God who redeems the foolish, who saves us, who changes us. And thank you that you then instruct us as as a good father teaches his son or his daughter. Oh, Lord, please use your word, and um, I pray that you would help us to, to go deep into this book uh, together as a church and to become that culture, Lord, that we need to be to be able to change the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.